Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 109. Tonight we are tackling the new album from Alex Lifeson's new group, Envy of None. If you don't know who Alex is, then uh, you've not been listening to this program, which is entirely possible. Tonight we're also playing a fun challenge by Metalhead Monday, and we are reviewing issue number two of Sandman by Neil Gaiman. If you like what you've seen here tonight, subscribe and leave a comment. Feel free to share with your friends. Tonight's episode is brought to you by 4411 Creative Agency. Good folks at 4411 provide custom marketing and flawless execution. Head over to 4411creative.com to find out more. I'm your host, Foggy. Joining me tonight is JPP. Easy listening sounds for the hard of hearing. It's JPP. Hello there. Hello there. Hi. I wasn't listening. <laughs> well, that makes a lot of you. Huh? 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 <laughs> and greetings. <laughs> I'm over you now. We're oh, moving yeah, on. Because I like Metalhead. It's Metalhead Monday. Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's Metalhead Monday. There he is. There he is. There he is. Hey, guys. Howdy. <laughs> How's that? Hey, I was kind of enjoying bouncing around there. This yeah, it's like a I Brady montage. We can do that. Good evening, gentlemen. Greetings and salutations. Happy Howdy. Sunday, wherever you are in your neck of the woods. <clears throat> Happy Sunday, indeed. Another fun show tonight. Um, I was a little apprehensive this week. Because you never want to see one of the people you love try something new and you not like it. <laughs> so I was pleased that I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. So I have good things to say about Alex Lifeson. Nice. I thought you had somebody in your family was eating liver and onions or something. I love liver and onions. What are you talking about? Oh, God. Go on. <laughs> you guys really don't like it? So sometimes you just never really know somebody oh <laughs> well you never had my dad's cooking either i'll show nice. myself out <laughs> burnt to a crisp so oh yeah 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 it's gotta be tender gotta be tender chewy <laughs> all right well are you guys ready to get started ready all yeah right. i'm ready to get out of this food coma i'm in Oh, so. yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll start off with uh, Mr. Mundy and his challenge. Oh, yes. So, go for it. What, what are we doing this week? Well, this one got pushed a little bit, which I think actually worked out pretty well. Um, so, uh, basically, I wanted you guys to pick three industrial songs in... For people that don't know, industrial is just it kind of came about in the 80s and 90s. It's kind of a, a mix between electronic music with like heavy guitars and, you know, samples, all that good stuff, keyboards, synths. But uh, usually it ends up being fairly heavy mm -hmm. on, the, on the heavy end. So pick three industrial songs that you love. That's the, the only stipulation I put on it. You cannot use Nine Inch Nails. You cannot <laughs> use Ministry. And you cannot use Stabbing Westward because those are three bands that we talk about a lot. 
So I wanted something, you know, that we don't talk about a lot, hopefully. So we'll see what you guys came up with. Hmm. I'll be honest. This was a little more difficult for me because when it comes to industrial, those are the trailers to the most by far. <laughs> so I did have a couple other songs that I just loved. And I think I kind of cheated a little bit on one, but I don't care. T-Bags isn't here. So somebody has to cheat. There you go. All right. I will go first then. And um, so my first choice was filter. Not hey man, nice shot, but welcome to the fold. Um, okay, I, I love Filter. They're you know compared to some of the other industrial bands, they're maybe a little cleaner, groove wise, maybe a little poppier in some ways. But um, Welcome to the Fold is excellent because it's got that quintessential industrial sound, and then it's got a really super catchy chorus, um, which a lot of his music does. Mm -hmm. But I really like that song, Welcome to the Fold. So that's my number one. My, uh, my yeah, great band. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, great band. Um, you know, uh, Richard Patrick, he, he came out of the Nine Inch Nails camp and uh, kind of started Filter and Hey Man, Nice Shot is their big hit. I mean, that's what they, you know, broke out with. And but a lot of good music, man. And it seems like they, they definitely are a band that grew from their first album, their sound grew and changed. And uh, I would say they kind of, <clears throat> in a way, they kind of dropped some of the more industrial sound mm -hmm. as they went, but they always, they always kept a, a little bit of it around, I think. And uh, welcome to the folds. A good example of that. It's a great song. Yeah. Paul? Totally. Yeah, I was going to say my favorite track from them is You Walk Away from the Amalgamate. It's a fantastic, very heavy track. Not necessarily as industrial as some of the earlier efforts, but uh, it'll melt your face off. It's a good, <laughs> uh, good way to start that album. Excellent. All right. Well, JPP, what was your first choice? My first choice came from uh, the Wax Tracks collection, uh, a nice little band called Palehead. And their song, I Will Refuse. And uh, while it's not ministry, I believe Al Jorgensen and Paul Barker are affiliated with the project with uh, Ian McKay from Fugazi uh, on vocals. Wait, what was the name of the group again? Palehead. Palehead, all right. Mm -hmm. Has a real heavy punk vibe to it as well, but definitely has the industrial samples with some of the more brooding parts, and then it just rips your face off with the uh, verses and chorus and, you know, early Ian uh, vocal fashion it's really upbeat energetic and uh it's it's a great anthem for the era cool i haven't heard it yet so yeah. was that uh did you say that was on the black box it was yep yeah i i still have mine i don't know if you do <laughs> oh I, I got the one i got the limited edition one that's in like the the metal box and it yep, has same. like all the crumpled tape in the bottom of it like the mm -hmm. actual two inch tape or whatever yeah, it's not two inch tape. It's the quarter but, inch. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yes, the quarter inch tape. Very cool. Very cool box set. The cases, the CD cases were all black. Like you couldn't even see what was in them. You had to open them up and take everything out. And very cool. 
Yep. And if you didn't put them back in order, you're always like, oh, dang it, that's the wrong thing. You know, that kind of thing. But <laughs> funny story, because um, actually when I went into disc jockey, our friend Casper was managing at the time. And he said, hey, this is coming out. It seems like it's right up your alley. I'm like, yeah, go ahead and put me down for one. Knowing good and well, man, how am I going to come up with the money for that? <laughs> and then uh, while I was at school, mom got the call that it came in. So she bought it and I completely forgot about it. And Christmas Day, I unwrapped it. And I was like, holy cow, where'd you get this? And she's like, they called and said it was nice. in. So I was like, I didn't know what to get you this year. So here you go. Bam. Best, best surprise ever. Yeah. I was like, I didn't have to come up with, with the loot after all. Fantastic. All right, Muddy. Uh, the first one I'm going to let you guys know about is a band called God Lives Underwater. And yep. um, they were, I don't know... <clears throat> I, I honestly, I don't know that they're still around. The last release that I've seen from them was like 2004. So, and that was after a hiatus, I think. So I, I don't know that they're still around, but um, this one's from 1995. It's a song called Weekend. Um, it's off of their album Empty, which I believe is their first full length album. And this song is, I mean, it's buried on the album. It's like eight or number eight or nine in the play order and i love it because it's kind of they have a little bit of a poppy sound i think part of that is from the vocals because the two guys that are the main crux of the group they kind of they sing together and they i don't know that they trade off but they sing together a lot yeah and kind of gives it a poppy feel a little bit but Man, this thing drops into this wicked, wicked groove. Like the whatever synth sound that they have on this groove. I mean, it's just it, it, it starts off sounding kind of poppy and then drops into this nasty groove. And it, it's you're just like, where did that come from? And it just kind of drops in and out of that. And it's so good. It's just it's really catchy. And just kind of, it's, it's a, I think it's a really good measure of their sound. It's got a little bit of everything that they like to do in this one song. Yeah. You know, what's funny is um, I came across my copy of one of their albums in my collection not too long ago. And I did a Google to see, you know, where are they now? And sadly, I learned that the singer died in 2005 in his sleep. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so, so they already disbanded by that time, and uh, one of the other guys started a band called Wired All Wrong, and uh, with another uh, colleague from the group at one point, and then um, writing that down. Yeah, <clears throat> but I don't see, I didn't see where um, anything else came to fruition from anybody else. So that I'm sure they're moved moved on to other ventures or maybe even other careers by that point. But nonetheless, they'd already disbanded yeah. and didn't get a chance to reunite. Sadly. Yeah, well, like I said, that last album that I saw was in 2004, so that makes sense. Yep. But great group. They were very underrated. If I'm, I'm trying to remember, yeah. were they on that Death, Depeche Mode tribute album? I, I believe so, yes. I don't... Did they do maybe Flies on the Windscreen? That sounds right. That's a fantastic album for anybody who loves Depeche Mode. Yeah. Um, this tribute album of covers is all over the map and uh, they're all great. My favorite is Master and Servant. It's a nice little sultry bossa nova yeah. edition, but some good good stuff to uh, dive into. Yeah. God Lives Underwater. All right. Yep. Great band. <clears throat> Got it down. Yeah. 
All right, for my number two, I think I cheated a little bit. Because um, this band is, they have some of those elements. I think sometimes they're classified as such. But they also have like that really sweet post-punk sound with that guitar and the bass. So I went with Love Like Blood from Killing Joke. Does that count? Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I but some of their that. stuff, especially early, was more on the punk side. You know, I mean, they well, they came out of that in the late 70s, but so they still at this point had kind of that punk sound going on and they were sort of transitioning. So I don't think I would really call this full on industrial, but I think their categories as such. So I think it should count. So that is my number two. I approve. Yeah, definitely. Killing joke is a great band. Uh, Anyone who does not know them, go find them immediately and you'll hear, probably some band that you'll love you'll hear a little bit of that in killing joke because they have inspired so many bands and musicians and they're another band whose sound i think changed over the years and in later years they definitely embraced the industrial thing a bit more starting in the 90s i think we should review their ep that just came out those uh four songs that just came out are phenomenal it is really good agreed yeah. And what's interesting is with a love like blood, the breakdown on that mm-hmm. always reminds me of Dr. Feelgood. It's like it, mm. I couldn't help but notice that maybe Mick Mars took that. Um, I that was uh, wasn't there a lawsuit about that? Not about that one. It was about the song 80s because it's, it's yes. pretty much yes. come as you are. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Which yeah. was another it was neck and neck between which one I chose. But <laughs> yeah, great yeah. songs. Yeah. And um, was it the self-titled album from the mid 2000s that had Dave Grohl on drums? Yes. With Asteroid. 2003, I yeah. think. Yeah, that album is a banger. And uh, yes, so I, good. I got to say that you know, anytime I put it on, I find myself listening to it for almost a month and you know, consistently because <laughs> it's so good. The song yeah. off of that one, there's a song called Asteroid. Oh, my yeah. God. It is, and oof. and I, you can hold that up to any heavy metal song that you love. And I, it's yeah, oof, another so anthem. And, and check it out live on YouTube, too. There's some really killer live videos of them playing that. And he just shouts that for an indefinite amount of time. And they just boom, yeah. go right in on the one. Uh, we saw them when uh, they opened for Tool when Lacey and I went and saw them, I mean, that must've been what 2019 before mm-hmm. the world shut down <laughs> Right. and killing joke actually opened for them. I, and I was super excited for that. And, yeah. and they just had like a tiny little setup, you know, in the front of the stage and like in any other opening band, I'm like, God, these guys are like legendary. This right. sucks, but, but they were awesome. They brought it. They sounded great. And one from, yeah. from the technical nerd spoiler alert uh the thing that always blows my mind is the guitarist has always had that same gibson hollow body and it just gets heavier Mm. every album cool the hee-haw oh okay (laughs) hee-haw all right so sorry sistine started saying that oh Um, anyway uh jpp who you got next this next band, Monday and I had the pleasure of catching them as an opening act for ministry, so it's not cheating. <laughs> an amazing group called the Young Gods, and uh, they were also on the black box set. They had a song called Envoye, yep. and it's noisy and chaotic. Yep. Uh, they grew to mature their sound. It was still industrial in nature, really loop-focused, three-piece group. at the I think maybe three or four, I can't remember, but nonetheless, French, and uh, the song Kissing the Sun, heavy as hell, it's guitar samples. 
Uh, the drummer live is fantastic. Keyboard players triggering all these uh, parts that are really cool. And the singer just has this nice, consistent voice. Um, and I've actually seen, looked at uh, YouTube videos of them. They've played at like Montreal Jazz Festival and stuff and have done some kind of crazy avant-garde industrial as well. And it, it works. Um, definitely a, a diverse group that explores all sorts of timbres. And I, uh, I love them uh, quite a bit. So they, uh, they were hard to choose between number one or number two. All right, Tough Monday. crowd. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I know you're good. I got you. <laughs> yeah. All right, Wendy. Uh, who's your third? Well, I'm just going to say, uh, no, this will be my second. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so number two. But I'm just going to say that Paul sucks because I chose the exact same song. <laughs> I feared some overlap. Yeah. You guys froze up on me. But yeah, I chose the exact same damn song. So. <laughs> Um, but why did you yeah, choose it? That's from their 95 album and uh, all everything Paul said. And I'll just add that uh, we saw them play it live and it was very cool. And when uh, when ministry came on, the keyboard player ended up coming out and was standing with us. Like, just out of nowhere, we're, we're like, oh, hey, it's the keyboard player from Young Gods. What's up? <laughs> and yeah he, so yeah great song great band lots of fun all right yeah I, and, and steve i look forward to uh, your reaction to them i'm gonna check it out i'm checking out every one of these uh, except for of course the ones i chose because i don't need to check those out i, I don't understand why <laughs> uh-oh i'm uh -oh. seeing a circle in monday's presence i don't know what that means i wonder if he is coming back in maybe yeah Hmm. Well, we don't need him anyway for the next part because it's me. All right. That's good. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to edit this and write down any of my choices. But my third choice comes from Fear Factory. Oh, yeah. And I chose Edge Crusher. Could have chosen a lot of different songs, but um, God, their songs just drive. They're so intense. And I love the vocals. There's a lot of the yelling aspect to it, but it sort of changes his cadence and how fast and slow and kind of mixes it up. And I really like that a lot. Yeah. Um, especially during the chorus, but um, what a fantastic song. Yeah. He's Sunday. very formulaic with his, you know, verse chorus deal, but uh, Burton is a badass. Yeah. Um, Monday and I had the pleasure of seeing them live um, at a quite a Deer Creek lineup. It was like Corn, Fear Factory, Megadeth, and, um, uh, who was the fourth? Oh, Flotsam and Jetsam. Hmm. And uh, Barton, yep. yeah, at the end of the set, his throat was just so red. It looked like raw meat from just from screaming. And it was wow. intense. Yeah, it was, it was great. They put on a good live show. In fact, they told us to come down up front because we were in the pavilion there and uh, got to really watch him up close and see Dino with his crazy right hand precision picking. And I could go on and on, but I'll stop. <laughs> so you approve. Good. All right. Yeah, it's okay. That's a good choice. <laughs> All right. Well, JPP, you are up. Who is your last choice? Well, given that there may be another overlap, I'm going to go ahead and skip my number three and see if Monday picks it, and I'll talk about it at the end if he doesn't. But uh, a group that I really liked as well, it was kind of a side project from members of KMFDM called Excessive Force. 
they had a track called Violent Peace. Um, still sounds very yep. KMFDM-like, but uh, just had some different elements to it, like more voice mangling and stuff as well. Very good album as well. It's, uh, you know, very raw in its industrial nature, but it's still very heavy and, and something that I grew to enjoy immediately. All right. Was it uh, members yeah. from K- KMFDM? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'll look it up while while we're chatting. But um, nonetheless, uh, highly recommended. Um, you know, that's the thing about a lot of these industrial groups too. The joke is, is Al Al Jorgensen and Paul Barker were like half the industrial bands on Wax Tracks because they had so many <laughs> yeah. side projects. But you know, yes. at the end of the day, they were very uh, expressive and very creative, and they had a lot of different things that they could pull off. It was. A very exciting time for me because everything was just so innovative. Um, you know, and every group had their own unique nature. They weren't copycats as much. All right. Yeah. And KMFDM also, they always had like a rotating cast of characters. And, you know, someone would show up for an album or two and then go away. And then, yep. you know, all kinds of stuff. Like, And they all had a thousand different side projects. So. Yeah. And I found it's, it's, yeah, it's uh, excessive Sasha, force was a good one. Yep. Sasha K and Buzz McCoy from my life with the thrill kill cult. Hmm. Okay. Yep. So that's another band that, you know, killer industrial band from the nineties. Yep. The nineties was like peak time for this stuff. All, yep. all three of mine came from the nineties. So, well, speaking of that, who is your third? Uh, I'm curious to hear who Paul was talking about because uh, I pick uh, this song is I mean it just slays me every time it's it's so good uh, when Paul and I worked together at Sam Goody in the Markland Mall mm-hmm. uh, there was a promo that we used to play a lot and we eventually got told, I think not to play it <laughs> because it was not top 40 stuff that right. there, it, it wasn't Britney Spears, which was or space jam time. or the wild, wild west soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, oh. uh, this is this group called vast V A S T. Oh, yeah. And, uh, their first album is called visual audio sensory theater. And this is the very first song off of that album. It's from 1998. The song is called Here. And uh, I structurally, uh, performance-wise, sonically, this is about as close to a perfect song as I think you're going to find. Mm-hmm. It, it is gorgeous. Uh, the vocals are awesome. The layers are there. It kind of fades in and it goes hard in the paint right away after the fade in. And it's, you know, it's up, it's down, there's dynamics. It it is, I mean, it's just a gorgeous song. I can't, I can't say enough about it. And actually that promo that we used to play in the store, I still have it. (laughs) And it was, it's literally, it's literally just the disc in a cardboard slide you just slide into a little cardboard sleeve if sam goody were still a thing i would report you well (laughs) they gave it to him because they didn't want him to play it anymore (laughs) yes please take this home (laughs) take it out of the store get it out of here (laughs) yeah we we want space jam but uh yeah no that i forgot about that group that you know that experience because they i mean it's so well produced i mean it's like industrial 
beautiful songwriting. Yeah. You know, I think uh, a lot of that album and this song specifically, I think is that the, the, uh, what's the word I want to say? And maybe like the, the higher limits of the, the genre it's this, mm-hmm. this is what you, where you can get to, like, it's the peak. It's mm-hmm. so good. So yeah. good. Yep. That's very cool. All right. Well done, gentlemen. We got uh, 11 different songs, right? Yep. Who did you I'll, think his third was going to be, Paul? I thought it was going to be KMFDM, A Drug Against yeah. War, because when we both saw that on Headbangers Ball, we were just like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Where has this been all my life? Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> and uh, that's still one of their anthems. You know, what's funny is as we talked about this, I mean, I picked my three right away pretty quickly but um once you mentioned vast that opened up a, a you know a memory unlocked i need a little sound effect mm-hmm. for that but there was a group i found in the cutout bin at sam goody when we were doing inventory and i bought it for two bucks it was a band called argyle park and okay. uh, this i can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head but his outfit now like his groups he has like a group called uh cell dweller and um, he's oh, done yeah. like dubstep and crazy industrial stuff. And he has a whole gamut of electronic genres that he dabbles in now. But there was a song on this Argyle Park album called Doomsayer featuring Tommy Victor from Prong. And it okay. was, um, what's that? The controller. It was actually the same guitar riff from the controller. And it had the same kind of uh, drum loop underneath it too. That. Yeah. So it uh, essentially kind of op- probably was around that time he was working on that and kind of opened the gates for that Rude Awakening album. I remember that. I do. Yep. yep. So um, another group for Foggy to check out. Well, now we have 12 songs that are different. You do. Uh, when see, I say 12, this we don't is... have Tony here. It's only nine. Sorry, I lied. <laughs> this, the <laughs> industrial thing, I mean, I, Paul and I were super deep into it. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there was uh, uh, the 90s, I think, was that was just like peak industrial time. And it, it there were so many bands and I, I mean, I could have gone any number of ways with this. And this, these were just three that I came up with that I absolutely love. So it's, I mean, I mean, I could go on and on and on here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I started off with ministry in college, then got out and continued with like nine inch nails and filter and that kind of stuff. But then we had children. There just wasn't, and I was working two jobs at that time. There just wasn't much time to, to dig into anything else. Yeah. In the late 90s. So. All right. We'll see, Paul, you have the challenge next week. Do you have it ready or are we going to be surprised throughout the week? You'll be surprised. Will you be surprised? I'll be surprised. <laughs> I'm telling you. Hey, I got one. Wow. Oh, love it. <laughs> Just don't wait too long. We no, need no. Time. We need time. No. I will. Uh, I'll brainstorm. All right. Sounds fantastic. So, Paul's got the challenge next week and perhaps. A Lester Bangs, who knows? Or maybe that will be the challenge. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I've been too busy reading, guys. Let me tell you. <laughs> this sounds like a you good time to, to, um, <clears throat> to give a little shout out to our sponsor, the Kokomo Lantern. Thank you, Kokomo Lantern. If you want to get information all about Kokomo, you don't want to rely on the local newspaper, you need to head over to kokomolantern.substack.com. And sign up for all the content. It is fantastic. It's growing all the time. It is really where you need to be. Great guy running that. Oh, Handy Coyle says, say one nice thing about Michael Stipe challenge. 
<laughs> well. And there we go. <laughs> I actually like Michael Stipe. Sorry. We all have our thing. We all have our guilty pleasures. I didn't call that a guilty I don't know. Pleasure. Yeah, I don't know if I would love him as a person, but oh, I, I like some of our... I like some of REM's music. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't listen to it on end, but um, here and there when a song comes on, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I dig that. It's good. Okay. It is time to dig in to Alex Lifeson's new project, which I'm really excited about. Um, like I said before, I was a little bit worried. Um, and man, if you were to listen to this, it does not have the Alex Lifeson touch all over it. Maybe it has the new Alex Lifeson touch. I don't know, but you definitely wouldn't be like, Oh, that sounds like rush. And if you come into this thinking you're getting rush or something that resembles it, you are going to be dead wrong because this record is completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got layers and layers and layers. It has a beautiful new voice um, in Maya Wen. So, Let's get started on this. I, I, what'd you guys think? First off, before we dig into the songs, you're saying it's an onion. First off, with all the <clears throat> it is, it's a parfait because onions are well cooked. They're good. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I felt like this was a, a nice surprise. To be honest with you, I didn't. I went in not knowing what to expect. You know, the uh, later era rush certainly has certainly if I can talk, holy sh- sh- cow. But anyway, um, the later rush certainly had its um, kind of vibe that mm-hmm. was consistent. Right. And Alex and, and Rush in general, they they had their direction and um, they, they would change things up here and now and every now and again. But you could still identify when Alex Lifeson played, you knew it was him and Getty and so on and so forth. But this kind of felt like to me he was like okay i've done that for 40 some years it's time to have some fun you know there's a lot of textures there's a lot of elements that he did that wasn't really indicative in of rush's repertoire you know it's not guitar driven or anything like that for the most part lots of kind of being in the background letting guitar kind of be the the voice that kind of spread and and filled the void versus being the main focus and um sounds like he just had a good time you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was just having fun experimenting with the guitar this time around. Yeah, I think so too. And it's interesting because there is a lot of synth on this. And at one point in the mid eighties, he was tired of the synth with rush. He thought mm-hmm. it was taking over too much. So it's interesting that when his first, you know, solo venture like this, it's pretty yeah. heavy with synth and there's a lot of it, but he does get to, like you said, the, the textures underneath are all guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, so very yeah. cool. And, you know, plus losing a friend like he did, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how long he's been working on this album, but maybe the direction is intentional after, you know, years of being in that organic approach. It was time to kind of get that outlet with uh, what you OK over there, Monday. Um, yep. Drop my pen. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but uh, my pen. Anyway, yeah, so at the end of the day, you know, maybe maybe there was uh, a lot of intention with that, too, just kind of disconnect from, you know, the drum experience as a whole as well. The last song was specifically written for Neil. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I love that. All right, we'll talk about it when we get there. Sounds Monday, you got anything to add? Or are you ready to dig in? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I just, you know, it, it really seems like 
uh, he's he did not insert himself into this as a guitar player too terribly much. I mean, it's pretty sparse, really. And and what he did do is, you know, it works for the song. I think that's it, this project seems to be much more about song structure and uh, and not flashy guitar solos. So not that that's all Rush did, but, I, you know, mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. those three musicians at the level they were at and they're kind of proggy. So that you expect that and that's not what you get here. So and I said the, uh, you know, the challenge got pushed to this week. And I, I think that worked out because this man, I mean, there's <laughs> industrial all over this. Mm-hmm. It's, it, mm-hmm. it, there's a lot here, a lot of that here. So I'm yeah. curious I would like to know what he was listening to. They got him to this point. I'm like, hey, that's a sound I want to play with. Absolutely. I think the song they started off with was Cobble Blues, which has more of the guitar. But um, yeah, it would be interesting. I haven't listened to too many interviews to find out, you know, what the uh, spark was for this. But um, let's get started. First song, Never Say I Love You. Um, great album opener. Agreed. You know, it's funny because it's like we had this industrial challenge and to Monday's point, yes, it's fitting. But what's also interesting is this album kind of has a really strong kind of later 90s era of down tempo that came out with electronic music where, yeah. you know, like Massive Attack and more Chiba and, you know, there's several groups. Oh, Sneaker mm-hmm. Pimps. I was really reminded of Sneaker Pimps a lot with this album <clears> because <throat> of the kind of the calm nature okay. of the songs with the female vocals and um, just really kind of scratch that itch from that era for me mm-hmm. yeah That's the cool. um I, and i you know like we always talk about what does that album opener do um yeah it was a little more up tempo than some mm-hmm. of them because there were a lot that were slower than that um it set the tone in terms of the electronic nature the synth nature of the record which i love and it really brought in maya's voice she is fantastic yes. it really shows on this song yeah yeah, I think this is a good setup for um, her expertise throughout the album. Uh, it's got a real solid, easy groove. Um, kind of, uh, it's good uh, without being too terribly challenging, I think. Um, kind of gets your attention without pushing you away too much. Um, I really love, I like how it comes in and it goes for almost a minute and then it just really thickens up and gets uh, real dense and very cool, very cool changes in this one. I think a lot of them had that same approach where we started with yeah. some noises and just kind of added layers upon layers as the song. Yeah. Went, yeah. And nice midway approach. through the song with the, the kind of the clean guitar chunk that's kind of kicking in too, it helps with the drive. You know, it's just it's just cool. It's fun, and it's neat to see Alex do some things that you would not expect him to do. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Next song up is Shadow, um, and it's kind of cool because this one really switched. I mean, obviously it had some of the similar things going on, but it was a bouncy little groove. It had some kind of a it had little cool elements to start it, and then it just wasn't as smooth as the last one. It was a little bouncier. And uh, again, great vocals. So I really liked this song. It was really good. I was muted. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Monday. I was like, push buttons. 
Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, this one, I love the baseline right away. I was like, oh, that's tasty. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had the groove really drops in and out. And I, I really like the lyrics on this one. It's called Shadow. And, you know, she talks about shadows and stuff in the chorus. But the line that I really loved was like, your darkness follows me. So it's like her shadow is maybe not her shadow, but... Mm-hmm your shadow your darkness is making a shadow for me so i thought that was pretty cool cool imagery yeah yeah and the uh uh bass line that kind of came through in and out a little little gritty you know a lot of low end really nice texture where the high end is really resting really well up there there's a nice sonic uh opposite end if you will sorry let me look at it this way if i was bob ross (laughs) i'd have my mountains over here and the trees over here and you know, the snow and that kind of thing. So, I mean, things are resting really, really well. And what's also interesting is, as opposed to some of the Rush anthems that we know, uh, that's kind of the word of the day, anthems, but uh, uh, these songs are relatively short, right? So they're, you know, mm-hmm. kind of more uh, ingestible, not necessarily pop, but certainly contemporary in the nature of today's attention span. I, th- I think sorry, some what? had a, a slight pop edge to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely radio oh, yeah. friendly, I would guess, you know, um, which isn't a bad thing either. I mean, he kind of hits it all with it. And Rush had radio friendly. A lot of all of our bands have had radio friendly songs. So, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for uh, Cannibal Corpse's radio friendly hit soon. Oh, you haven't heard it? No, it's out now. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> song's over. <laughs> um, all right. Next song is Look Inside. This one starts to bring a little bit of the heavy, which I thought was cool. Had some really nice guitar effects. And uh, what's interesting, too, is her voice sometimes is almost dreamlike or ethereal. And it was in strong contrast to the music on this one. And it really worked. And, you know, she's singing with this beautiful voice. And then the lyrics are like ripples of rancor and phantoms of pain. This song had some great lyrics. And I really dug this one. I the sound of this one at the beginning especially it comes in with that distorted bass line and I think the combination of the distortion on the bass and the riff that the bass player is playing kind this is like the most rush feeling thing on the album I think but it very quickly does not sound like rush because then they throw everything else on top of it and the baseline kind of you know sits down in its pocket and does what it's supposed to do the openings definitely i was like oh that sounds a little bit like getty <laughs> but uh so but yeah and uh vocals um the vocals i feel like i don't know this one they almost had too much uh effects on the vocals for me on this one but uh so it made it a little hard to understand here and there but i mean it's still a cool song so yeah for me like the <clears throat> note i wrote was swimming in reverb uh yeah. the whole the whole song i mean like the synths and everything everything's just real lush and echoey it's almost cavernous in its own way it reminded me of those uh, visualizers you would get on iTunes early in the 2000s when you'd play your song and things are kind of slowly spinning and the graphics are moving and that kind of thing. I could kind of see that happening with the way this song would flow. It just had a pretty consistently slow tempo and, and um, you know, 
basically it's almost like you're going through the tunnel and, and hearing all the sound bouncing right back at you from from the dimensions around you. All right. That brings up the fourth song called Liar. This is a was I think the first one they released, if I remember correctly, back in January. So. Yeah. And um it, it makes sense why they did it. It's got this really cool groove. Um it is it is definitely radio friendly, has a really cool chorus that's catchy. Um and then of course the song's about calling somebody out for being a dirty liar, which, you know. Lyrically, yeah. I think it was a really good song. This was not one of my favorite songs. I think easy to listen to, but if I go back and pick out a couple songs, this would not be one of my top songs. This was one of my highlights, I gotta mm-hmm. say, for a couple of the reasons you said. Absolutely killer groove. Uh, lots of really, really cool, tasty layers. And in those layers, there's a lot of really nice um, kind of atmospheric sounds that come in and out and that you know that i don't i feel like they don't stick with the same sounds throughout the song like it's kind mm-hmm. of different stuff comes in and out and it works really really well but this i this was a highlight for me i, I like this song a lot this was the tune that instantly made me think of sneaker pimps kind of reminds me of <laughs> the song six underground um it's a different vibe but the same kind of progression in the bass line where it goes and um, the groove is different too but nonetheless uh, that's a a really catchy hooky song if you will as well Um, but I when I heard it I'm like oh yeah I remember hearing this one when it came out earlier and and uh, this is one that'll definitely come back on rotation spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) it's okay we've already talked about it you don't have to give an alert All right, then is Spy House. Um, the other one has a lot of really good guitar. More in the forefront. I think the lyrics on this one kind of take a step back. They seem a little understated compared to the rest of the song. Um, I thought this one had a really cool groove too. I liked it quite a bit. I actually liked it better than Liar. You guys will disagree. Yeah, I didn't have a whole <laughs> lot to say on this one, honestly. I, the, I like the... Um, I don't even know what to call it. In my mind, it's like kind of a, a little bit of an offset groove, like with the drums and the, I think maybe the, the guitar and the drums are, you know, they're not completely synced up. Like it's, I don't know if that's uh, like, it's on an off beat or something, but it, mm-hmm. I really like that about it, but I didn't really have much else to say about it. Well, you kind of read my mind because that's exactly what came to mind for me what is happening is it's called like a pickup note where you start on a couple beats before one and those kind of yeah. pick up into the next measure. And there so basically if you took that and shifted it, you might be able to have a different perception of that groove, but they had it another way. And my brain was wanting it to start on a different spot. So that <laughs> kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's cool. And I love it when songs do that. There's yes that happen like that all the time. And it's just like, wow, you know, that's really <clears throat> cool. But at the end of the day, um, that, made me kind of get real cerebral with this track and, and I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Well, he is a master, whether he's doing something different here, he's got, you know, 45 years of time with rush and playing to, yeah. to build up a lot. So that's neat that you guys caught that. Next up is dog's life. Uh, I really like that. There is one part of this song that I absolutely dug. It was about two minutes in two ten or something like that. There was a super cool breakdown with uh, heavy drums and guitar 
it lasts just briefly and then they go back to the song, but I thought it was really awesome. And I love the message here too, you know, that it's a dog's life and life is a grind and you gotta, you know, you gotta put it in, put in the time and the effort and the work if you're going to get anything out of it. And uh, so I like the message here. I really like this song a lot, but man, that breakdown I thought was awesome. Yeah. That's the payout. <laughs> yeah. So this one, I thought, I don't know. I didn't honestly didn't love the mix on this song. I, I, like there are a lot of the songs that are um, like they'll have kind of a mellow part and then blast up with the big, you know, louder part. And there's, and dynamics are fine. Like I love that in a song, but I feel like, I don't know, this, this song made me feel like the mix was off a little bit until at least until about, I wrote down a minute 40, but I don't, you said two ten, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't something about it just didn't it didn't completely work for me. I, it, it didn't ruin the song for me, but I, something felt off to me in the mix. Hmm. I think what I liked most about the song was her vocals were just kind of more dark and, and lower for mm-hmm. quite a bit. And then to that point with that heavy buildup, I could almost picture and i probably am wrong but i can almost picture they had that groove like the foundation of it with the the lower notes and then they might have spent some time adding some extra voicing because that those voicings are a little more i mean they're harmonious but they're a little more disjunct they're not like something you would normally just ingest like in a pop formula they have a little bit of dissonance to them but in a good way um and they resolve differently and create that tension and uh, that immediately caught me and um put this up on my list as well as, as one of the higher tracks. Cool. I really like the next one, <clears throat> Kabul Blues. It definitely has a Middle Eastern feel to it. It's got those subdued drums, and it's got, I don't know what the sound, it's almost a tambourine-ish style of sound. I'm not sure what it was. Paul, you probably know. Uh, had really slick guitar notes in the background, very defined, but it definitely, without being overly so, had a Middle Eastern feel. The lyrics were really cool. Um, I think I heard this originally as just an instrumental before they put the lyrics over, and I think they released that sometime last fall. So this was a pretty cool song. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't remember hearing the instrumental on it, but yeah, it's definitely got the the sitar textures, the tabla with the kind of the talking drum kind of vibe going there, yeah. um, and it's cool. And that's a, along the lines of a lot of the down tempo I used to listen to in the '90s as well. They used a lot of samples or brought in musicians to create loops with exotic instruments um, and just really interesting overlays over the the synths. And this kind of fits that vibe perfectly. Yeah, um, uh, I, yeah, the feel of this song is just really cool, and um, the vocals again, I, I, girl, but she's good, she's really, really good. <clears throat> yeah, I sent a message to Michael and told him he should look her up for a song in the future, which is <laughs> special. Yeah, good call, yeah. Next song is Old Strings. This is one of my favorites. Um, this was like the highlight from the first time I went through. It just stood out. Those The sounds at the beginning, there was like an odd chime of some kind. that almost sounded like there was a hollowness to it, like it was coming out of a jar or 
something. I, I don't know exactly what it was, but um, it had fantastic lyrics. I loved everything that it had to say about growing older and changing without even realizing time had passed. And um, this song I thought was really cool and really hit the sweet spot. Yeah. When, when it hit, it kind of reminded me of Angel from Massive Attack because it had that low tone and just real mellow kind of clicky percussion that wasn't like hard hitting drums and stuff. Um, and yeah, to your point, that kind of, again, that tunnel vibe where you, that hollow nature and stuff, the, the way that low end kind of surrounds you versus just being like a direct hit. And it just really engulfs you. Um, great, great tune, good vibe. Her voice really does a fantastic job in the mm-hmm. song as well. Yeah, this one, I mean, it's just gorgeous. It really is. Um, I, this is a good example of when the music and vocals just have this really great synergy. And I mean, they're just almost perfectly complementary of each other. It's it, the whole thing is just gorgeous. Re- mm. really, really works. Yeah. And Alex does some really cool guitar swells in the middle of it too, <laughs> you know, and um, just kind of call and response and just real flavorful again, not flashy, just yeah. serving the song. I like that he gets a chance to do this. I wonder if he enjoys that because everything he did with Rush was so technical, mm-hmm. you know, and they were, yeah, I mean, time-wise with the signature changes and being in sync with Getty and, you know, they were just obsessed live to be just right. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is different for him in a, in a good way. Yeah, you got an audio bed. You just relax and slap some, you know, elements on top of it where it fits and yeah, k- kick back in the hammock while the rest of the band's playing. I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> All right, next song, three to go. The next one is Dumb. I thought this one, um, I didn't have a ton to say about this one. There were some interesting noises at the beginning, some uh, cool synth. And again, um, Maya Wen delivers with some more excellent vocals. But other than that, this one did not stand out for me. Um, I had a really killer beat, uh, some cool guitar tags like we were just talking about, Mm -hmm. nothing over the top. the chorus is really, really cool. Uh, she says something like, uh, the song's called Dumb, and she's talking about how, you know, you make me feel dumb. <laughs> and, you know, so probably not about anything great, but it works for the song, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's definitely not a throwaway tune, but it certainly had uh, elements that were super familiar. Um pretty good even pace and uh i felt like overall compared to some of the other tracks we list listed um it doesn't hit the top of my list but it's an enjoyable listen okay uh the penultimate song is called enemy and this one definitely you know going along with the song title sounds a bit sinister they have some sounds here that really create that mood that i thought was very cool and there was the same thing Then I win. I read Monday's mind. Game over. (laughs) Yeah, and he had some cool synth noise, some little cool clicking going on back there. The lyrics were slowed down, which also made it a little more sinister. Um, And this whole thing that I am not your enemy. I I really dug this one. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I said the, the synth groove. I mean, it's just nasty. It is dirty and nasty and sounds amazing. And I said the song sounds menacing. That was my word. <laughs> so, but yeah, so we're all obviously on the same wavelength there. Uh, the, the chorus is big. It's real big and it sounds great. And 
this is, I think this song sounds like the closing track. Like this should be the album closer. Like I get what, from what you said earlier, like I get where they're coming from with the last song, but this is your closer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the thing that stood out of course was the huge guitars. I mean, that's, probably the hugest i've heard alex <laughs> in as far as guitar tone goes and and definitely stretched out in the in the uh uh gritty distortion realm and and i loved every second of it really really cool tune yeah <clears throat> i'm glad we all like that that was cool and i'm going to disagree with mr mundy <laughs> the, <laughs> the the final closer is western sunset and you can shut up mister um <laughs> No, if if you didn't know the background behind it, I agree. This would be an odd closer, but knowing that he sat on sort of a porch overlooking the sunset with Neil after he'd been diagnosed, and that sunset was sort of poetic for Alex and inspired this song, it kind of brings in a new meaning. And so I like this as the close to bring this first chapter without Neil to a close. Thinking about Neil, for me, that really... It just fits. And I, it's not overly complex. There are simple parts that just build and add and add layers to it. And I thought by the end, it, it was beautiful. And, of course, thinking about Neil makes it even better. So, yeah, I loved it. It's got the classic background foreground with the music, you know, mm-hmm. things kind of coming in, grabbing your attention and stuff. But, um, you know, to that point, given the story you just shared, sitting on a porch, enjoying probably a, a lot of a silent moment and thought and things like that. I mean, it just kind of is a metaphor for the simplicity of life. You know, we, we make it more complex than we need to be. And, and this song is definitely uh, not super complicated. Yeah. I, the story aside, uh, I mean, th- this song is just it like, it doesn't fit with the rest of the album. So I, I get, I, I understand where it came from and that's awesome that's a beautiful thing for musicians to be able to express themselves in that way um and uh paul i know you've done something similar Mm -hmm. to that so when a friend has passed so you know i love that i do i'm glad that i know that now it definitely Mm -hmm. puts a different spin on it but not knowing it and listening to this album when this came on i was like what what is what this is not the same thing <laughs> no i mean i was taken aback by it too i'm not i'm not gonna lie but you know hearing that it's like okay i get it you know? yeah sure <laughs> i'm like yeah yeah hey yeah <laughs> do what you gotta do more power to you <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm sure i'm sure they're all still processing it i mean it's been a couple of years but and they sat with it for a few because they knew family and and mm-hmm. some close people knew most people did not, which is really cool too that they were able to keep yeah. that secret for so long. But yeah, <clears throat> beautiful ending. All right, let's go round table score. Will you listen again, JPP? Four point seven. Yes. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Monday. Um, I yeah, I probably land around a four on this. Uh, there's a lot that I like. There's a lot that probably won't come back to not a lot but there's a little i probably won't come back to but i it's hard to i don't know like there, there's a couple of songs that are like ooh, that's my favorite ooh, that's my favorite but <laughs> i mean the, the thing as a whole is pretty good so i'll i'll probably check it out some more mm-hmm. 
Okay. I'm a four two five, and I will definitely check it out again. There are some others I think I would put onto a playlist for the future. There are some that I think will go away, you know, as I move on, and I won't necessarily revisit. But there are some that are really dug, and I probably will always go back to those. So, yep. great Hats first off. outing. Hats off to Alex for for this creative venture and and yeah. something that's completely surprising. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that in oh you can do this. It's more like <laughs> wow you 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 know after a long legacy you know this is a whole different step and it's wonderful. Yeah, definitely a different direction. It feels inspired. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you can mm-hmm. sit back and you don't have to do anything the rest of your life. You have uh so many albums gold and platinum and you have fans everywhere and you've got this community that is insane um probably over the top and drives other people crazy and yet you feel the need to you know create music and he came up with something that was inspired it didn't feel like it was just throw away and he just doing it because he doesn't have anything else to do felt like there was real intent here and i, yeah. I dug it a lot yeah yeah agreed all right <clears throat> well that wraps up the musical portion of the evening now it's time to move on to comics. Yes. Time to get spooky. Now it's time to get real. Now it's time to find out what in the hee-haw happened after Dream made it back. He escaped. And now he is on the path. He's got to go find his missing objects. He's got a bag of sand he's looking for. He's got a helm that is super cool. Looks like a Giger. It actually was inspired by Giger. And um, a ruby powerful ruby that he's looking for and so that's where we pick up with issue number two so uh where do you want to start uh i mean at the beginning i think it's cool that right away we get Cain and abel who are Mm -hmm. for those that don't know they're straight out of the 70s classic dc horror that was uh kane was what kane was a house of mystery and Mm -hmm. Abel was the House of Secrets, I believe. Mm-hmm. And those were kind of two uh, two of DC's bigger horror books from the 70s. So it's cool to see them brought into this universe, which which basically there uh, Neil is putting the spin on it that those two characters, they are Cain and Abel, the, the Cain and Abel that you think of when you hear Cain and Abel, but in the, the roles that they're in they're they get a lot of their power from Morpheus from dream. Like they, they basically serve at his whim almost. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's and, great. And, great biblical characters that DC brought in there. Yeah. Um, and their relationship, fun. their relationship is hilarious. It's just, you know, <laughs> he's Kane constantly trying to kill Abel and him <laughs> coming back, coming right back. And it just all happens again. And, you know, he's Kane's the, the big uh, bully and Abel's, you know, kind of cowering all the time. Pretty cool. Yep, yeah. Straight from, That's all straight from the Bible. That's so awesome that they <laughs> brought that in there. Um, and yeah. It's almost a comedy duo here yes. and the way that they're presented which is awesome yeah so you know me kind of coming into this firsthand i i was a little confused at first because i i just didn't know that establishment and then you know a little later on i see a nod to the justice league and then yes. you know, john constantine and stuff like that so mm-hmm. um so here's my naive question and forgive me because i don't follow a lot in the dc realm so constantine was he already an established character as well or did he yes. come from the story mm-hmm. 
Constantine okay. came from his first appearance and most of his activity was in the Swamp Thing. And oh, then okay. he got his own series. I think that was before Sandman, right? Um, Death Star didn't... Didn't they start around the same time? It was pretty close. I'd have to yeah. look that up. Yeah, they... <clears throat> Yeah, we but, have to look that up. But yeah, he Constantine came about from Swamp Thing. Okay. So, so if this was a book club, I'm kind of the guy that's kind of coming in, you know, late to the game. And hey, what what's going on here? You know what I mean? Give me the Cliff's notes. Yeah. But, uh, I really like what they're doing with him in the story. I've already started to read ahead, but mm -hmm. uh, I think that's really cool. And yeah. I really like, uh, you know, the fact that there's, uh, you know, a lot chaos going on right like there's these characters that were experiencing you know long sleeps and all that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm i was i came in really puzzled and you know i finished that first issue yesterday right away and then i i went you know started reading ahead this morning so you know i'm i'm getting more hooked and, and really enjoying the ride i won't yeah. have much to contribute because i'm still trying to process it all but at the end of the day um you know i'm glad we're doing this this is a lot of fun yeah, and this is, I mean, it's cool because this is, you know, that whole first issue was basically Dream's captivity and then him escaping, and now we're seeing him trying to get home, and then mm. once he does get home, I mean, he's been gone for 70, 80 years, so, or about 70 years, mm -hmm. yeah. so his home is in ruins, and so now he has to rebuild, he has to find all of his artifacts he's got to you know build up his energy so that he can rebuild and all of that so it's pretty cool that we're seeing the the start of the the journey home yeah what i think is so cool is so the first one was 40 pages and you so you had a lot of space to move so this one was back to 24 pages i think mm -hmm. but let's think about all that he managed to cram in there so we've got Cain and Abel and they came from two other books we have the lady who stole the stuff in the beginning return and go see John D who's from a justice league book, you know, and, and then we see the justice league. Then again, at the end, he brings in John Constantine. He brings in the three witches. All this happens in 24 yeah. pages and it doesn't feel rushed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's like masterful work because that is a ton of stuff that just could by somebody who isn't very skilled could just be a hodgepodge thrown at you. That doesn't. Yeah. The John D character, that's uh Dr. Destiny, right? And that's he's kind of a I don't know, was he ever like a major villain? I, I don't, don't believe so, no, not definitely not in the you know more recent times. And by recent, I mean like 20 30 years, he's not right. been a player or anything, just kind of pops up here and there. Mm -hmm. Kind of a kind of a weird look, actually, Paul. You should look him up because he kind of has a bit of a Skeletor look. <laughs> nice, yeah. But uh, yeah, right. right down, right down to like a kind of a bluish purple costume with a yellow skull face. Nice. I'm I'm sold so, already. But uh, so yeah, but that was yeah. It's cool the the way he tied everything in, and there's like a you know the three witches. The was it the three three fates right? Mm -hmm. So you have the the maiden, the is it the mother, the maiden, the and the crone. What's the middle one? She is it the mother? I don't remember. JPP's looking it up. He's got it with him. <laughs> but anyway, it's all my uh, cliff notes here. 
those characters come and go here and there. And they actually, they have a, they did a mini series spinoff of them, like a three issue mini series. Cause there's three of them. See how that works. Well, that, um, that whole concept is used on like Shakespeare used. It. Oh I mean, yeah. You know I mean? That's, oh, I mean, that goes back to <clears throat> at least the Roman times. It's the Greek stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The Greek yep. stuff. That's what I meant. Not Roman Greeks. Cause the Romans were, they just ripped the Greeks off. Steve's. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, and uh, you know they, I I love that concept of where he can ask each one of them one question, and then he asks them the question, they yeah. kind of answer it, and then he starts to ask them, and they're like, no, nope. no, no, you get one. <laughs> just one, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, awesome. uh, and then by the third time, he was like, he starts to ask a second question, and he's like, oh, never, I remember, I get one. <laughs> so that's pretty cool, and that that is where we get, you know they're telling him like Constantine might have the bag of sand, the justice league might have the Ruby. And so then, you know, dreams left to, he basically has to go investigate this stuff mm -hmm. on his own. So it's, forgive me. I'm, I'm trying to look through this page here. I see what there's made it. The maiden, um, is there the witch queen? Is that, one of the the roles of the three no it's the three of them it's it's the age like the the young one is the maiden the middle one i can't remember and the old is the crone okay. i can't remember what they call her if it's yeah and they have names like one of them represents like morgan lefay you know so yeah, yeah 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 you know, stuff yeah. like that so okay got it because uh i see what the names are kind of capitalized i see crone i see maiden and then i see witch queen um, capitalized. Maybe that is it. I then. don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe W I T C H, not W H. Come back next week and find out if it's the witch queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lady uh, Atropos. Uh, da, 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 yeah. Yeah, so. that's not. I I wasn't worried about. I mean, they there are yeah. so many names from like history and different. Yeah. religions and superstitions and whatever. I was just he trying has, to remember. Yeah, he's yeah. pulled so much into this that it's insane. And yeah, the that's first. Where I'm like a lot to process for me because i'm like who's this what what's going yes. on you know i'm almost yeah. need a, a cross-reference book just to even see who's who and what's what yeah you kind of do <laughs> so <laughs> yeah but it's interesting too because the first two issues have felt full like you're really getting a lot mm -hmm. but really all they've done is set this up for what the whole series is going to be you know um, yeah which is really cool that he's so good at doing that and it was a cool scene when dream gets back to his home and it's like Oh, it's in ruin, you know. Um, and I love, I love that uh, Lucian is the yes. one that's there because he would mm -hmm. be. Why he yep. would be the one that would stay there and try to keep it together. Yep. Another good and, issue, and you know, I think this was maybe an issue one, or maybe at the beginning of issue two. Forgive me, but uh, I'm trying to remember where the the mother came to see her son, and he was kind of locked this? away. Mm -hmm. uh, which which characters were those again? I'm sorry. The the mom is the one who stole the artifacts in okay, the beginning right. from Sykes. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And so and then John D is the one who Doctor Destiny. He abused the Ruby, and that's why he cannot sleep or yeah or mm -hmm. yeah so or dream, mm -hmm. and um, that's when he got busted by the Justice League. So that's why we assume the Justice League has that. Da, Batman da, probably da. has next to some kryptonite somewhere. Because that's what he does. Stupid Superman. Wait. <laughs> we watch Lego Batman, so, you know, that, that whole vibe is still present in our household. Yeah. Well, Batman has a way to stop every single superhero.
Just in case, because you never know. That's what he does. Does he have a Hulkbuster? Oh, wait. Wrong universe. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, maybe. So did you guys uh, dig the first one or the second issue better? I think the second issue for me. I mean, the first one's good, but I was, you know, coming in, just starting to unveil what was happening. But then things started to pick up in the second issue. And then I'm already in the third one. We'll talk about that next week, but I'm starting to really have a good time now. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, uh, I mean, the first issue is just a classic and it, it's like the first issue of any series. It's mostly set up, but, and there's a lot going on. And in this one, yeah, you're, you're finally like, okay, he's free. Like, you know, here we go. What's going to happen? So it's trying to, you know, it, I, I think this is part of the masterful skill level of Neil Gaiman is, I mean, this is all like, there's not any real serious action going on here. It's literally a guy comes home and is trying to figure out what he needs to do to, you know, rebuild his life. And that's it. And it, the the mastery of Neil Gaiman comes into play there where that is super interesting, super interesting. Mm-hmm. We've only known him for a very short time. He was a guy yeah. in a glass ball who he didn't who didn't do anything except for lay there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a few panels in, we like feel for this guy who came home and his home's destroyed. Yeah. So that is some masterful writing. Neil yeah. Gaiman's amazing. All I right. can relate, though, because I came home and had to do laundry. You know, I had to get my, my clothing in order. Amen, brother. <laughs> I don't do laundry. I screwed it up once, so I never can do it again. Oh, yeah, there's specific instructions for us. Do not pick up the garment. Do not wash in hot. Do not wash in cold. Put it away and go do something productive. So, All right. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Next week, we will definitely hit issue number three. I can't wait to dig into that. And then uh, Paul's challenge. Have you figured it out since we started talking earlier? Um, say one nice thing about Michael Stipe. <clears throat> oh, wait. <laughs> no, oh, he did that. I know. Yep. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll reconvene in the next day or so and Sounds spring good. it upon our listener. I think whether we pick another album or not, I think we ought to dig into those songs from Killing Joke. Agreed. Those were great. Yeah, I, I definitely that'd would. That'd be cool. Okay, we'll do that. We'll, we'll pick up on Killing Joke. And uh, gentlemen... If anybody wanted to find you, where in the hee-haw would they do it? JPP? At my local library, picking up graphic novels of Neil Gaiman. Uh, no, you can find me at the Phoenix Supernova on Instagram. Uh, you can also find me at JustPlainPaul.com. Uh, feel free to sign up for the newsletter and get updates on what's happening creatively, uh, creatively, if you will. Uh, also, there may or may not be some uh, merch in the works. Uh, found... Uh, some boxes of the old data of the East accolade that need Ooh. to go. So, nice. you know, coming nice. soon to a shopping cart online near you. <laughs> Fantastic. Metalhead Monday. Where? Well, if you go back in time, you could find me sitting on my grandparents floor watching hee-haw as it happened. Um, <laughs> since we're saying that all the time now, but, uh, if you want to talk to me now, you can find me on Instagram at Metalhead Monday. You see right there, it's M U N D Y. You can find him on his MySpace page. It's rocking. Up, updates <laughs> it's out daily. there somewhere. Yeah. It's out there somewhere. I, I, don't, I, I wish that would come back. That would be so cool. Yeah. Need I don't remember gifts. the login, but it's there. 
All right. I am Foggy Spout. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. You can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, SoundCloud. You can find us at the Kokomo Lantern on Facebook Live. And you can find album, movie, TV, and comics reviews at wanderingsandwoolgathering.com. See you next week. Episode 110. Never thought we'd get there. For Sandman issue number three and maybe a little killing joke talk and an amazing challenge yet to be revealed. Thanks, everybody. Place out.